As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you Why mad? You mad? Beautiful. That works. Hi, Jake. How's it going? Hello, Louisa. Uh, it's going fast. I'm very tired. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I quit a job, though, this week, so... Uh, oh, yeah? Less crazy. Yeah. I was working too much. So is it like... Um, you know, like, I feel like every, other people that I've talked to are preparing to hibernate for the winter, but is this time when other people hibernate now a time when you, like, are, like, a little good squirrel who put away all his nuts so now mm. you <laughs> you like quit your job so that you can make art for the winter yeah. when people are hibernating yeah everything i do is in reverse so like normal <laughs> people go out on the weekends yeah i stay in on the weekends and i work yeah. on weekdays and i am up at night and people are up during the day and yeah so everyone's doing something else right now and yeah 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 for me i just finished collecting all my nuts and berries <laughs> and i'm about to get back to work on creative shit and i think we're gonna go on tour in january oh, so cool. i'm excited because i was getting i was hitting the wall with bartending and shit yeah yeah no i love that i think you have a good um like system going where like what region are you planning to tour uh i think me and mishka are going to go through the south because our friends we have this uh the, these friends that are one of them's a comic his name's josh mclean he's really funny uh, and he has like a two-piece speed punk band called Heels that's really good. Okay. And he's sort of been leaning on Heels, leaning into that a lot creatively the last few years. They put out a couple of really good albums. So they're in Tennessee, right? And I think they're in Memphis. They're going to do a show on January 6th called Heels Surrection that's like a like a J6 joke or whatever. Yeah. So I think we're going to do that and then like go around wherever the fuck from there, probably down to Texas, hit our usual stops and shit. I love that. I look forward to seeing what the stops are because I don't know, maybe I, I really enjoy traveling somewhere to just catch friends, um, doing stuff out of the space where I normally see them in. And I guess, I don't know, this isn't something I plan to talk about, but I was looking at the New York Comedy Festival <laughs> schedule because I bring it up because it's kind of like the opposite of what you're saying, right? Or what I was just saying, which is like, I love to see people that I know in New York somewhere else because I get to see like your strengths outside of a space that has already become comfortable, right? But the New York Comedy Festival, man, is so like the opposite of that, <laughs> where a bunch of comics that I do really like who either already work here or come here from LA or other cities, they do these shows and they're like, oh, this is part of the New York Comedy Festival. And it costs like $30, Jake. And I feel like an asshole, but I'm looking at this fucking schedule and I'm like, yo, that's crazy that you want to charge me $30 to see these people that I normally see in New York like all the time or in LA <laughs> for $5. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But this is not to say like, don't support them. Definitely go to the shows. I, I mean, I feel like such an asshole, but I am bringing this up because I am genuinely confounded right like okay as a comedy fan and i guess as a comedy fan who knows better than like waiting for these 30 dollar shows to see comics i like 
Mm-hmm. I am looking at the schedule thinking like, okay, who are some people that I've never seen and that I can only see because of this festival and because they came here through this festival, right? Mm-hmm. And I just landed, there were like two possibilities. Oh, I feel like such an asshole. <laughs> okay, but whatever, <laughs> fuck it. Let's, let's talk about it. One is going to see Wanda Sykes do an hour, right? Uh-huh. I think Wanda Sykes is a real headliner, like a real excellent comic. I would love to see whatever hour she's working on. It's fucking $100 for like a shitty seat, Jake. Like uh-huh. the like the front row seats are five forty seven five hundred and forty seven dollars. Man, who who is the person that would pay five hundred bucks because he wants like Jake? There's only two two five hundred dollar seats left, <laughs> 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 and then all the other seats left are like seventy plus the fee or whatever. So it ends up being like a hundred dollars. So I'm talking about like. Should I go to the Beacon Theater, which is in the Upper East Side, which blows of Manhattan? Hate it. Don't like it. Don't like anything about it. Uh, for $100 to see a comic I would like to see before I die, right? And then the other thing I thought of seeing was, like, I love Eddie Pepitone. He's just doing, like, a podcast, a live podcast recording at 3 p.m. on a Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, dude. And I'm like, yeah, I would love to support Eddie. I think he's wonderful. But, like, uh, 3 p.m. on a Saturday, and I fucking think... Live podcasts are whack as shit. I'm sorry. I understand that I'm saying this on a podcast right now. But they're just not the thing I want to see. So what do you think I should do? Is New York Comedy Festival just not for me and it's for other people who are um, doing this once a year? Uh, oh, you're asking the wrong guy. I never paid. <laughs> I've lived here for fucking almost a decade and I've never paid attention to New York Comedy Festival. It always just struck me as like... Um, well, because like, it's a towny shit. It's like well, towny shit. But New York is not a town. It's a city. Like, yeah. It, so I lived in Austin. Austin was a town. And it was, uh, at, there was a festival every weekend. And so, like, when you would get on a festival, you would sort of, like, um, uh, if I lived in town and I saw my friend Avery was headlining like yeah. a show for like Moon Tower Fest, the festival we all know and love. Uh, yeah. she would <laughs> that you're on every year. <laughs> yeah, that I am on. Uh, probably. Yeah, right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Avery Moore, very funny comic. Yeah, uh, Moon Tower. You know, I I I could go see Avery any time I wanted. Yeah, she's a comic. She's around town. But, but you when, want to support her in this bigger thing. But when she gets booked on a show and it's like they put her name on the marquee and it's like yeah. Avery's playing, you know, this big theater downtown or whatever, that is for people who came to the city to go to the festival and who are being tricked into thinking you can't just come here and watch and Avery see Moore. this for $5. Yeah, right. exactly. Like, <laughs> I always yeah. tell people, like, the best uh, time to go see comedy in a, it's like a, a, a place like that is any other time than the festival because you can yeah. just the week go, before like, or the week after see all the same people. <laughs> so like I, yeah. I know what the drift is that feels very odd to me in New York where like everything is ubiquitous you can see anything Dude, all the time so out of place when here. I see people like promoting their their shows I'm like what is this? does not everyone know you can just see all these people here all the time well no and I've done it before you know like again this is not to shit on any show or any performer but it's just New York Comedy Festival is such a strange festival, Jake. 
it's not really bringing so many people from different places. Like, it's not, I don't know. It's just like uh, putting a brand on a bunch of disparate shows that would have happened anyway. You get me? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, like, all the alt shows, they would have happened anyway, except this week they get to say they're part of the New York Comedy Festival, so... What the festival makes them do is put their um, logo on their fucking flyer and then they're supposed to do like an announcement. I've done this before, right? Where I'm like like an asshole. I'm like, yeah, sure. My weekly can be part of your <laughs> fucking festival. And I almost want to say it's like a net zero game where nobody gains anything. This is what this is what I was getting at. Like, yeah, like what because is Jake, accomplished? Because I remember exactly, wanting to do this at one point and then like applying. I didn't get on. I was like, I don't oh, think well, any. I sucks. don't think much is accomplished. But the thing is, as a fucking artist, you like you get bummed out when you get like, oh, I didn't get on a thing. But yeah, then you yeah. Pay attention and you watch the same people doing it for years at a time, and you go. Am I anywhere different footing-wise than those people? Yeah. No. Well, then this must not have led anywhere. It's just a ritual we're all just doing. And yeah. And in a comic, it's because they're being led by a fucking carrot on a stick and thinking... Well, like, for a lot of comics in New York, I will say um, it's a credit, right? That a bunch of comics get to put and be like, I did New York yes. Comedy Festival. Cool, but but there's also, this shows how made up they are, right? right. Like, <laughs> because, they don't do anything, though. Like, yeah. This is kind of what I just stopped obsessing over, like, the credits yeah. and networking and stuff, because I watch people just g- gather credits and do all the stuff you're supposed to do, and then I'd, like, well, I'll just hit the autopilot on my career for, like, six months at a time or something, and I'll check yeah. back in and be like, does that person have any more ground than me or money or like anything and the answer is like not really unless you hit the you you, you do it long enough and you maybe hit the jackpot or something it gets in the big but usually that shit's like it's just a, 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 a like a vortex you get sucked into and it just go in circles well man here's maybe this i don't know if this is helpful to get out of the vortex but i would suggest to everyone listening including you that Instead of thinking of it as like an individual sort of like, how does this make me feel? Am I left out? Do I get a credit? Who gets a credit? Like all this stuff. Think of it in the systemic way, right? Because the thing that I'm wondering, looking at this schedule for New York Comedy Festival 2022 is in the cases of all the alt comics, even the ones that come from LA, and all the alt regular shows, and by alt I mean do not take place at a comedy club, take place at alternative venues, are run by people who are not bookers, right? Are, are, is the festival really benefiting those shows and those comics and those producers, or are those shows and those producers and those comics benefiting the festival by making it look more like a legit enterprise that's connected to all levels of comedy in Definitely New York City? that one. Right? That's what's happening, right? Yeah, man. And I, you know, and, and I understand that for the comics and the individual shows, it's a chance to like charge more for that one, to like reach out to more headliner type comics to get on your show and to like make it a little bit of a bigger deal. But the reality is you could do that any other fucking time of the year. <laughs> right. Um, so I don't know. It's like you get to be like, 
Okay, I think of it like the way that like comics and producers will be like, oh, this is my birthday show, so it's like everybody come. This is the one year anniversary of the show, everybody come. So it feels like because we have to promote every week or every month or whatever, that if we have like a special occasion, it makes it like more important and more okay for us to promote it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of feel like it's like this fishbowl sort of view where those of us inside comedy are like, oh, well, if I attach the New York Comedy Festival name to it, then this makes it more special and it makes it more valid for me to promote it and push it and get a bigger headliner to come and charge more money. But in reality, you could do that all the rest of the time, right? Because you have those contacts and you have that venue and you have the ability. So what is it, are there really like larger numbers showing up for your New York Comedy Festival show than for your regular weekly show? I don't think so. I never experienced that. Yeah, probably not. I don't think, I think it's just like a, what this reminds me of i worked at a hobby lobby a long 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 time ago (laughs) when i was uh, i worked at michael's so no no judgment (laughs) oh right i mean i didn't support the company i just worked it It was like uh it was really funny i was like a child you know i was like 19 or something and uh just wandered into some place was like can i work here and i was like an art student at some point and you know it was like i could work in the picture framing shop um and you know, so that's like part of you have to do that stuff when you're in art school and stuff like that. Yeah. Quick, quickly, art school became way too expensive. Stop doing it. But I knew how to cut mats and shit, right? So yeah, uh, I worked there, and it was really funny. It's a Christian company, so it's uh, like the it, how do I explain this? It's a fucking horrible retail job. Um, the company is Christian, but what they're doing is hiring. A bunch of ex-cons and shit. Everyone, ha- <laughs> everyone there had been to prison, and like th- what they're saying is, "Oh, it's a Christian company, so we're like about forgiveness." But in practice, you know, that is good cover for like uh, these people can't work anywhere else, so I can pay them like shit and then make the uh, conditions like horrible, right? So it was a wild ass place to work because everyone had been to prison, and then we were <laughs> selling like these little trinkets to old ladies and shit and they're all sweet and you know you have neck tattoos and you're like oh yeah the um uh crafts are over here like it's just bizarre so but i worked in the picture framing shop and um it picture frames were half off during the sales that would happen and you know how often the sales happened every month every other week so yeah. it's 50 percent <laughs> of the time We'd be like, oh, yeah. but you got to get them now because it's 50% off. And then people would be like, oh, okay. And then they would get do it. <laughs> but it's like you can come back next month when lit- you have money. <laughs> yeah. 50% of the time. So it was like this weird mind fuck to think about where I was like. It's like car sales. This is just is how right? much this costs, basically. Yeah. But we're presenting it as there's uh, artificial scarcity, I guess is the word I'm thinking. Yeah. Right. Totally. So with like advertising that you're part of the local festival or whatever. It's the same fucking thing that you do all the time. You're creating artificial scarcity, which like isn't Agreed. Real. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's why I'm torn because I'm like, I certainly am not trying to say don't support these shows and don't support these comics. I understand why comics are signing up to this and promoting their shows this way. I just wonder how much of a farce it is. You know? I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know that it's helpful at all, but this is what I was thinking about before we started the podcast, even though my entire intention was to come on here and shit on space, Jake. <laughs> we still have time. That's also uh, interesting in terms of scarcity. Yeah, it's similar. Yeah, actually, you know what? I hadn't thought about it, but like... You know, I have been, I guess, teasing it for a few weeks and, like, um, sort of needling and uh, annoying you with the fact that I wanted to talk about space. <laughs> I'm curious what your take is, because it sounds like it's anti-space. It is anti-space. Fuck space. <laughs> uh, because, uh, here's the thing. There, I mean, I have several academic points that I can get to, and I will get to. But to start, I just think that, like, uh, the reason why it matters, right, and why we should be talking about space, not as, like, yay space, but, like, as a critique of why this entire narrative is important to us, is important. Let's have this conversation. So one of the things that is, uh, I guess, unique or, like, uh, rare amongst most of our ideological narratives is that space stuff is something that leftists, right-wingers, and centrists share, Jake. There is this shared sort of meta-narrative in our society that regardless of your politics, you can fall into this idea that space is A, fascinating, and B, the answer to humanity's problems, okay? Mm. And, um, you know, I, I think um, it, in certain ways, it can provide this, the kind of release that all fiction can provide, which is an escape from reality. But for people who are concerned with material reality, specifically leftists, I do think that you need to question your obsession and your fascination with space. Because um, although there are, you know, prominent leftists and whatever that did all the alien space stuff and whatever, I'm not here to argue <laughs> on the theory of it. I'm just going to critique it as a modern person who's your peer, right? And here's the thing. We can start with history, right? And the, the first critique of space obsession can be historical, which is that it is absolutely 100% an extension of colonialism, right? Of the mentality yes. and the idea that resources are infinite because even if they're finite here on Earth, we can find them somewhere else and humanity can continue. And therefore it is a rationalizing narrative for continuing to be wasteful and destructive as we are, right? Yeah. So it is uh, like literally the, per the reason that a person like Elon Musk gives a shit about space, but not about environmental problems on Earth is because space provides the escapism narrative for giving a shit about the fact that your your planet is imploding, right? So that's the first thing. I, I need you to understand that if you believe in the idea of like space will save us and one day we, we have to go out there and find a good place and whatever the fuck, you are thinking exactly like conquistadores. <laughs> you are thinking exactly like colonizers who are like, oh, are we going to run out of resources? We can just go take everything from South America and Africa and we will be fine. It's not 
a good ideology to be fucking picking up. Okay. Number two, it is also an extension of Christian time ideology, right? Which teaches us that there is um, a constant apocalypse looming on the horizon that you can only avoid through continuing to work against it while simultaneously accepting that it is inevitable. So the narrative of pursuing space travel, space exploration, space fucking terraforming, all that fucking bullshit is a uh, rationalizing narrative for the idea that you can continue to destroy the place that you have now because ultimately there is something promised to you after apocalypse. So space in this case is a secular heaven right Mm -hmm. where even if earth implodes if you did the right thing and you pursued the right thing and you got onto the right ship you can get to heaven (laughs) and it's fucking sick right because of point number three which is that all love for outer space as an escape mechanism is really you identifying with rich people Rich people are the only ones who will ever have the possibility of space travel or space life. It already has rep- like presented itself as something that is not accessible to working class or poor people. Um, over and over, I just keep seeing, Jake, this idea where, like, not this idea, this, like, it's happening, where I see especially leftists identifying, I guess, with the fiction Right? They're identifying like, with the fiction part of science fiction, but they're not hearing the warning part of science fiction. Okay. Right? No, tell me. What do you think so far? Well, I mean, I think I'm curious who the the person here you're arguing about who is the, the leftist space person is because there oh, are... all of them. I don't know about that. I think I agree with what you're saying. I think most leftists agree with what yeah. you're saying like the yeah no this all tracks i mean uh, elon musk well, is that, space capitalism and uh most yeah. of the thought about expanding into space is growth bullshit growth. from capitalism yeah. and extraction and all this stuff um you know our friend andy from antifada wrote a really good book about this totally. about how they uh you know as soon as like space travel began they started like you creating this thing called the gravity well that gives you um the United States wants to have control over like the route that you take to get a shuttle into space and stuff like that. And um, there are people who like joke about space communism, but they're mostly joking. Like there's a follow uh, a following online specifically just in the meme world of this guy named Jay Posadas. But he, and the dolphins and stuff. No, for sure. Yeah, but he's not. That's, <laughs> yeah. There's not a real Posadas. Movement. Yeah, yeah. That is people joking online, but. On the other hand, uh, you've got like writers like Kim Stanley Robinson. Do you know him at all? Mm-hmm. I don't, but I was going to bring up uh, uh, Butler, Octavia Butler. Because sure. to me, her one failing, right? Because like people on the internet will often comment about like how right she was about mm-hmm. all her predictions about how America is going. <laughs> but I think that her one failing was this belief 
that space was ultimately the venue where humanity would reach equality. And not just that, she also believed, or at least put into her novels and her fiction, the idea that religion was the only way that you can coalesce humanity into like uh, working towards a common goal grand enough to get humans into space. So her whole thing was like creating a religion that was pro-space, you get me? Yeah. And, I, and that's where I think that leftism does go wrong. And there are some people who genuinely believe it, Jake. Like I know a lot of us are joking and we're ironic poison pill internet people. But there are people who genuinely are like into NASA and like believe that money should go to fucking space exploration and shit like that. When like absolutely it should not. While there is one single human on Earth that is hungry, there should be no money going to a space yeah, exploration. There's a really good old David Cross bit about that where he's talking yeah. about how everyone's like starving and there's war and stuff. And then NASA comes out and they're like, we're going to send a robot to the moon. Yeah, bro. You know? Fuck that shit. Yeah. Fuck that. And that's what I'm saying. There should, like, as a leftist, you should not believe that they're, like, a single piece of... Okay, if you understand that capital is the product of human labor, then no single cent of human labor should go towards space exploration until all the people in this fucking space of planet Earth are fed and have health insurance and are fucking safe from death, early death. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... It just is not okay unless you are being very honest with yourself that it is a fun little fictional escapism narrative that you like to enjoy for funsies, but not that you actually would vote for or fund or believe in as a real science, dude, because it's not, it's like, do you, like, okay, would you want to put as much funding as you put towards NASA as you put to, towards um, ocean exploration? Probably not, right? Because everybody sees that as like a finite space that can't provide humans with like an alternate life. <laughs> so they're just not willing to put that money into it. But I want you to understand that exploring space is the equal, it's equal to exploring the ocean. Neither one of them is going to provide an answer or a solution or a fucking platform for equality to humanity until we force ourselves to be equal and fucking human and decent to each other in this fucking planet yeah i don't i don't disagree i i didn't think you would you know i just kind of felt like i had to have an episode yelling at leftists about space <laughs> I, the only thing i disagree with is that there yeah. are that this is a significant thing to be yelling at i don't you know you think so yeah i mean there's like a little bit of kim Stanley robinson right writes. okay uh, tell me about him yeah books about um i really i really like uh him we interviewed him on pda uh because he has this really interesting line where he said that i think about this all the time it's a big creative thing for me he said the novel is a bourgeois form mm -hmm. and i think about that a lot because you know he's talking about how this art form of storytelling came about at the same you know around the same time as bourgeois society and it reflects individualized thinking so novels are often about a small group of people the interactions between them and uh how they play out you know the same way a little person's individual life plays out but this guy writes uh science fiction novels that are set very far in the future 
And they are uh, also another interesting thing about them that is in terms of science fiction is a lot of science fiction is dystopian, whereas his science fiction is utopian. So instead of being like, as where everything goes wrong and aliens all come and eat us or whatever. um, he writes. You don't think Octavius is also utopian? Yeah. Like providing a roadmap for how we can get out of this. Right. Uh, hmm, That's a good. There's definitely an answer to that. And I'm not sure what it is. I want to say both like she writes oh, yeah. stories where it's like oh, it's really dystopian but then the, the it's not There's a tragedy like a, it ends yeah. with like a you make it out or whatever basically yeah. uh but his stuff is just like these huge stories depicting like um you know if if in the future communism actually worked and we had this great big world government type thing that uh you know maybe terraforms mars but it's like as a positive project for like socialism not um not for one person to extract off of i think your point is probably a good I, point I do to like that in, though no like, no i do like that because that but it sounds like he presupposes okay because as a communist <laughs> i think that it sounds like if the majority or over all of earth has crossed over to communism then we are dealing with our problems now. We are taking care of our poor and our houseless. We are making sure that there's no such thing as like illegal people anywhere and people in jail for debt and marijuana. You know, like, yeah. just like the real basics of fucking not treating humans like capital and like pork that you put in cages for the purpose of getting money. Um, so it sounds like that is utopian. Um a utopian framing of space because it, it it does place it after the fact of humanity ch- like reaching a higher level than where we are now. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of what the current conversation is, and I know I, I think you're right. Like a lot of it is jokes and it is us like, um, like I said, I love science fiction and I understand loving the escapism of it, but it's also so laden with warnings, Jake, that I'm just like, how do you not, see the very like big red siren warning lights that that science fiction writers are trying to give you about how um choosing to transplant our current ideology into like a wider geographical field is not at all the way that we need to do things um so i don't know i'll check out this writer because i would like to read a utopian version that includes first dealing with America or not well you know for us America but then also the rest of the planet because I mean the reality is that ultimately if you understand communism you understand that it is not something that can exist in isolation because all of earth is interconnected with the fact that we need each other's products each other's uh, resources right so a communist state can't interact with an exchange with a capitalist state if we don't even have the same rules of exchange. Right. right? Same kind of applies to capitalism too, which is exactly. why there's like a planet-wide battle for... Well, why capitalism insists, insists on destroying everything that is anti-capitalism. Yeah, yeah. Because the only way that capitalism can grow is if it infects the entire planet. And it just feels like I need people to understand that Communism also has to be something that infects the entire planet to be fully successful. And I am really not concerned with uh, 
the future prospects of humanity outside of this planet if we cannot even get a hold of the narratives that teach us things like the place we exist in now is disposable as long as we can find another. Survival of the fittest means leaving behind every single person who is not as strong as you. Like all these ideas that are really fucking bad and toxic to a species and to a culture are not ideas that should leave this fucking planet, Jake. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm like, please don't take it elsewhere. <laughs> um, you know what another good uh, commie uh, sci-fi writer is is fucking what's her name? Well, she wrote the left hand of darkness. Ursula. Ursula Le Guin. Le Guin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great. She's fantastic, and she really gets it. And I love that in all her work, she doesn't make it okay. She's she simultaneously acknowledges um, individual agency and where you have choice in things, but also doesn't ever place the burden of like the way things are all is all on the shoulders of an individual it's systemic so she questions and criticizes the system while at the same while at the same time putting some sort of onus on the individual to act correctly right yeah. and i think that's rhizome shit i love it she's awesome yeah i don't know space communism is an interesting concept because it, like i think um you know, we understand scarcity is a feature of like the whole problem, yeah. and so some people like would make the argument. Maybe the person that you're arguing with here would make the argument that, uh, well, if it's possible to break out of this enclosed planet system, uh, that might destroy the concept of scarcity because um, the universe is so vast and infinite, and that you know maybe that would help but I, that's not i don't think that's how you just you know what? which i can appreciate that idea but the fact is that right now uh no one on earth can go to space without paying spacex to take them yeah also so resources that means here it's are been capitalized it is no longer uh you know like a uh accessible thing that doesn't have a cost on it yeah, but yeah, I mean, what are you saying about resources? Well, I say resources here are technically infinite too, but we make them yeah. scarce by uh, just continuing to like harvest them as much as possible, and then and to depend on them because we literally have alternate we have alternate sources of energy and stuff like that, but we won't switch because there's already like a whole bunch of people and organizations invested in like oil being the thing that everybody uses. So we will go down this hole of we will run out of oil while the whole time we could have switched to solar energy. <laughs> yeah. No, that's like, yeah. you know, when I talked to uh, Duncan Trussell on his podcast about this, I remember he asked me something. That I didn't have a chance to answer it correctly. And I always think about it. But he's talking about like, uh, he's like, so, you know, there isn't enough stuff. Right. He said that at one point, And I've, it's rolling around in my head for years since because the answer is what's fucked up about the world we live in and why uh, capitalism is bad and communism is good is because there is enough stuff actually right Absolutely, now for everyone yeah. to be have their needs met on earth easily and what's but Absolutely. the reason that not everyone has their needs met all the time like we could be doing because there are rich be, people hoarding well it's not just hoarding it's not just like oh someone's greedy it's like the system itself requires scarcity to operate as a way of distributing goods because if you yeah. don't have scarcity then you don't have a way 
to goad people into working and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. you don't have this thing that you know well, makes supply the, and demand the made go up, up and down. The made up supply demand thing, yeah, exactly. yeah. So that's what's uh, I can't remember why I brought that up, but it's dumb, which is stupid. No, it's stupid. Uh, because well, I think you brought it up because I think that's these space narratives contribute to this scarcity mentality idea, right? Oh, they, yeah. So it's yeah. a myth. The idea that yeah. opening up space would create a situation that d- turns out on its head. It's like, we, that we would artificially create a scarcity of outer space in exactly. all these various ways. Like, it would just never get to a point where it's... We're already doing it, Jake. Like, right now, uh, so right now, NASA, our federal tax-funded organization for space exploration, um, is running several programs where they're doing all their various space exploration stuff. But in order to get the astronauts from the space station to Earth or from Earth to the space station, they, we, we taxpayers are paying Elon Musk's SpaceX to shuttle them, right? So we have gotten to the point where we think space travel is not important for us to fund it statewide and to own it and to have control of it as an actual scientific exploration system, we have decided that it's best to privatize it and that all our scientific exploration then becomes dependent on literally scientists buying a ticket from Elon Musk to go to space. The same as any millionaire or billionaire who wants to go to space, like Jeff Bezos, right? You can buy a ticket, same as NASA. Does does that sound like it's like literally like if okay, it's like if oceanographers and marine biologists had to pay to go on Disney cruises just like the rest of us to be able to go out into the ocean to to fucking study ocean animals. Yeah. Right? That's where we're at right now. So the idea that it is somehow a place or a space, <laughs> no pun intended, where equality of access will be reached is a far gone idea. We're already way past it, motherfucker, because if you don't have money to pay SpaceX to take you to the space station, you cannot go to space. Yeah. You know what's interesting about this is that, like, that privatization you're talking about. Yeah. So that's, like, a modern thing that's only going to get worse. And it got really yep. big during, like, the Iraq War because what was happening during that time is, you know, right wing, far right wing, crazy Koch brothers libertarian thinking is coming out of all sorts of places, infiltrating government, uh, you know, shit we're doing in wars. And so, like, there's this theory that privatization of stuff that used to be state-run is good because the this, the private market, because it's competitive, innovates in ways that the state doesn't. And that's like a big American value is thinking, oh, bureaucracy comes from when things are uh, paid for, you know, without any incentives, right? But in the market, oh, look, people invent all this cool stuff because they're competing with each other, right? But that mm-hmm. creates, I mean, a good counter to this, a, a great counter argument to that is the space race because we paint the picture in America that we like won the space race because of like getting to the moon or whatever but like literally every other step of the space race the the fucking Soviets crushed like they've put the first guy in space put a dog up there okay whatever not great but uh, (laughs) it was was something (laughs) but it was a state run thing and all this innovation happened um, 
you know, out in, in that way, uh, some Nazis you know, are on both sides, but you know, whatever. <laughs> but you know, the way that I, I um, have been trying to think of it is like, okay, for us capitalists in America, we understand the shareholder concept, right? So like, if you're a shareholder in a company, then everything that that company is doing is both because of the money and, and whatever that you're investing into it, but also because of its ability to do whatever it does, right? But when you privatize public sector, I don't want to call them commodities because that's what capitalism would call them, but like services or knowledge streams, right? then what you do is put a price on a service that ultimately is so important to society that it should be run by our social government, right? So, for example, I would say, like, uh, Amazon, to this point, a lot of people are like, ooh, Amazon's bad, Bezos is bad. I totally agree. But here's the thing. Bezos did build an excellent fucking network, right? An excellent system that has a um, network farms, right? What do you call them? Like uh, storage farms for the Internet. Uh, It has networks for delivery systems overnight, including like drone systems. It also uses USPS to do like the final leg of its delivery. Mm. It is an extremely organized like... Um, what do you call it in Terminator? Uh, Cyberdyne. Yeah. <laughs> right? Sky, Skynet. Skynet, exactly. It is a perfectly built Skynet. And the only reason it is a danger to us is because it is privatized. Which means that the actual thing, like if I were president, <laughs> what needs to happen is something like Amazon needs to be completely taken away from Jeff, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, it needs to be nationalized. And, and be nationalized, yeah. exactly. And it should become the way that everybody gets their prescriptions, that everybody gets their groceries, that everybody gets everything delivered in a way where all the delivery people, not just the USPS part of it, but all the delivery people have national benefits and fucking retirement benefits and sick time, like all the shit, right? And we can all then be dependent and know that we're paying the best prices for something that is ultimately not in it for the profit, but for the fact that it serves our social system. And then... I don't know, cut Jeff Bezos' head off. We don't need him. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not necessary. And so I guess I want to suggest that space is a similar thing where any of the people who have the skills and ability to uh, forward our ability to travel or explore space and want to privatize it, they need to be co-opted. You are anti-humanity if you think that it is something that you need to privatize so that you personally can profit off of as opposed to... it's Jake, it's literally like being like, oh, I invented a new heart valve for people to not have heart attacks, but I am only going to give it to the highest bidder, right? That is not you contributing to the benefit of society it's you contributing to you profiting more from something that people want and need and i just don't think space is either one of those things it's something people want it is not something people need and it's not something that our government should be spending money on before spending money on so many other things meaning people (laughs) uh and certainly beyond the joke 
no leftist should be endorsing space pursuits, man. I just don't think so. Not until communism is a widespread ideology in the, in, on Earth. Well, until everyone's needs are met on Earth. Exactly. That's what I mean. I guess, which, yes, if you can do that through another system, I'm fine with that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't think that's that controversial. I, uh... Yeah, get it all out. <laughs> get on your space soapbox. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. Write to me. I do love all the um, sci-fi stuff. I love Star Trek. Um, it is part of why I think Star Trek is better than Star Wars. I don't... Oh, am I starting a whole other thing? I don't mean to. <laughs> but uh, Star Wars is in a lot of ways a reflection of old systems. You know, that Star Wars is... Um, based on uh, what is it not seven samurai whatever one of the akura kurosawa movies yeah yeah so it is sort of just like a transplantation if that's even a word of um samurai culture into space yeah it's fantasy in space and fantasy it's is fantasy ba- exactly. fantasy is backwards looking science fiction is forwards looking. that's why exactly. it's such a confusing piece of art is because its setting is science fiction aesthetically but it's actually game of thrones fantasy yes thank you jake oh my god you just explained it so good that is exactly what i was trying to get at i oh my god i'm going to use this moving forward science fiction is forward looking fantasy is backwards looking that is absolutely my power my problem with star wars is that it is backwards looking uh whereas star trek continuously in every version is looking forward and it is using space travel as a form of critiquing life on Earth, not as a form of providing you with some kind of utopian ideal to reach towards in outer space. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And I, I think that there are some leftists um, and definitely some centrists um, and absolutely some <laughs> right-wingers who are thinking of space narratives as a solution to the problems on Earth instead of a critique of the problems on Earth, which is what it should be. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fuck space. Fuck space. That's what I think. <laughs> I think being uh, being a an astronaut is like the ultimate version of a fuckboy. <laughs> well, you're like a conquistador of the yeah who just doesn't even give a fuck about what's happening in present day europe (laughs) you're just like whatever i'm gonna leave behind a wife and children (laughs) and like the whole country (laughs) to go do this bullshit yeah i agree so i don't know write me an email tell me you hate me um space sucks uh i don't know what to tell you but i'll watch every science fiction ever science fiction movie ever i'm happy to end this early unless you have anything else jake that you want to talk about Oh man! Um, did you see that Bo Burnham thing that's going viral today? I did, I did. I think and it's I right. liked your exchange with Doug, but tell me about it. I just think it's really interesting. I'm, it, it, I, I guess I'm very cynical about this sort of thing. So anyone that didn't catch this is clip of Bo Burnham being Bo Burnham on some show or whatever, and he's like um, a guy who is by all comedian standards extremely based and on like the level, but. Uh, that's only I'm, by comedian standards. If he was a normal dude, I'd say, "Wow, this guy." standards. <laughs> yeah. Are you in the DSA? Like you're. Yeah. Wow, you've read a, like a one Mark Fisher thing or something, right? Uh, not an insult though. Good for him. I mean, I 
want everyone in comedy to be leaning more in that direction. So uh, he, you know, he, in in his COVID special Inside, he, he said some explicitly Marxist stuff. And so he yeah. clearly is like on this tip and he's just really uh, into talking about it. And I'm, I don't know what I'm getting at here. He bothers me a little bit. He seems like a narcissist, but uh, but he's a very good artist. So he I don't think he's a narcissist. A narcissist. He's neurodivergent. He's just sure. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, he's not uh, super smooth and comfortable around people. But I like what he had to say, and I liked your point about how, like... Well, let me get to uh, my point. Oh, sorry. Okay. Go. So he said this thing on this show about um, how the, like, the stuff that's happening with tech companies and how much they occupy our, like, um, att- attention spans and stuff like that is from uh, capitalism and how, you know, he said that we used to colonize places, and then once we colonize the entire planet, uh, now we're turning that you know, in towards like time and stuff like that, taking up as much of someone's attention span as possible, which is on some level he's describing like neoliberalism as once the planet is globalized, then, you know, we start to figure out all these other creative ways to extract value out of places that aren't just going to another space or whatever. Um, Pretty cool, pretty interesting. But I guess what I thought was interesting about it was watching a bunch of comedians share it and then go, wow damn this is a head scratcher and i just i watch these people and i'm like okay but i'm gonna keep watching your twitter timeline and in a month you're gonna say something that fucking contradicts this and i'm gonna want to blow my brains out because i'm like why didn't you get the bigger point that he's making because he said in that point something very important he said this isn't something you can blame on individual actors in these companies this isn't just like, oh, because I, we all love to go like, oh, I hate Elon Musk and we need a guillotine Jeff Bezos and stuff like that. But it's like not even individual people's like hearts and souls that cause the greed that causes this thing. He's saying uh, that growth itself is a feature of capitalism and it, it can never not be. And that yeah. growth is the reason that once you hit a wall, like colonizing the entire planet you have to start expanding in all these other ways which ties back into this space thing because that's another um, like direction where you know capitalism runs when it runs out of like planet to to keep expanding to yep. and it's not for reasons that are uh you know idealistic and smart and like uh you know, a lot of like nerds and libs like to imagine that we're going to space because we're like uh, man is curious and science you know yada yada no it's because yeah, like because it's an all-consuming fucking virus if you read <laughs> marx and yeah. you, you read capital you'll understand it's laid out pretty economically that like um a a capitalist enterprise is, you know, like uh, canceled comedian Woody Allen said, a shark. It has to keep swimming or else yeah. it'll die, you know? The way he compared a relationship to a shark, well, capitalism is the same thing. If it stops expanding, it dies. Like, it falls apart, and then the person who's doing it has no reason to keep doing it or whatever. So it's, like, a huge problem. It's the reason that the climate is being destroyed is that it can't stop expanding and the reason that like you're feeling it by being insane on the internet is that like that it has it just has to keep throwing ads at you all the time so it has to keep infiltrating social media and stuff like that but i think a lot of people look at that this is why i'm just this is what i'm getting i'm just worried about comics watching that and not having read the theory to back it up so then it just doesn't stick and it's just very frustrating to me because i feel like i'm talking about this stuff all the time and but there's a thing people do with um with left stuff or with stuff like this where um it's easy to 
compartmentalize it as just like interesting um wacky like thought that then yeah. you don't think about all the time like a lot of comics that aren't that don't agree with me politically uh maintain a friendship with me by going oh this is jake he's into this crazy shit you gotta check it out yeah, yeah. right and uh that's bad i don't know so i don't know how to articulate what i'm what's giving me anxiety about that though like it's good i guess it's good that he did that and people like it it just feels like it's gonna no i think it's good i think um in one ear out uh, the other i guess is what i'm more about i don't uh, i just mm, how to say this without offending every single comic on earth but <laughs> <laughs> i just think that um we have to remember that comedians are people and that they don't all have like philosophy degrees and like all like whatever it doesn't matter it's not about like the education but like we're regular people we're all just regular people and so uh there's no reason that you should not expect that comedians just like regular non-comedians are affected by the media and the narratives that they hear and they come in and sometimes they're like holy shit this is shocking that's a different point of view i should take it sort of seriously and then it goes away and then they like get back into the comfort of what is a comfortable narrative for them in whatever world they may be in and then occasionally they keep getting remembered and i almost just want to say that those of us who have like a revolutionary bent that is the only thing we can aim for, Jake, is to occasionally remind people that they can go f- farther than this. <laughs> you know, that they can expect more than what they're currently expecting. And it's not a feeling on their part that they like, like, like feel touched and feel into it and then forget about it. I think it's actually normal that that's what humans do. Yeah, but isn't there this thing with capitalism where, like, eventually this sort of thought is going to become commodified and sold back to people as a T-shirt that they wear to say, I think this, and then that kind of undercuts actually the work of trying to... Well, that's what I think space is doing. Uh, That's what I think every single person wearing a NASA T-shirt is doing. You are undercutting the revolutionary aspects of what we need to fix on this fucking planet right now every time that you sensationalize or pedestal or care about where the fuck astronauts are going or like what the fuck we're doing outside of this planet i need you to see that so i don't know as usual i think we're saying the same thing um we just gotta get people to hear us in our two different ways (laughs) I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. Never. But we've got each other. We don't need them, Jake. We'll be fine. Uh, I'll make sure if I die first. Or no, if you die first, I'll put a good I'll put a good message on your tombstone. Okay. Do you want to be Do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried? Let's talk about this on the show, right? I don't give a fuck what <laughs> happens to me when I die. I uh, that's you know what like you know what I was saying earlier like I'm an inside out person. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, awake at night and sleep during the day. Like yeah. uh, I. I'm having a funeral my entire life and uh, totally. don't want one when I'm dead because all that exactly. weird ritual and morose You should stuff. have said it to me when I was alive, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I literally, I'm like, when people th- ask about that sort of thing, like, you want to be cremated? I'm like, I'm going to be dead. Like, I, I, Dude, I want, I, want. <laughs> I want people to be like 10 years later being like, hey, what happened to Louisa? Oh, she died. Oh, shit. No way. <laughs> you know, like. 
be surprised. I don't want to send out an announcement. Uh, oh, um, yeah. No, make it part of the New York Comedy Festival. That I got. <laughs> <laughs> so they can get something out of it. So right? we can charge thirty dollars. <laughs> yes. All right. That's all I got in me. Oh my god, that was all excellent. Right. Excellent callback. God, Jake, I love you. I, I love talking to you. Sometimes uh, do comedy. I've, I've, I've <laughs> uh, come, come see Jake. Come see us. We love it. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a live broadcast one day. Even though I just should shed <laughs> how bad they are. But uh, yeah, we love you. Write us an email. Sign up for our Patreon. If you're hearing this, uh, the weekend is recorded. You're already part of our Patreon. If you're not, if you'd like to hear the episodes when they come out, sign up for a Patreon for as little as a dollar. It's just a quality control thing. Less than a, like not so much a making money thing, right? Uh, you should also give it. us money though, because I'm my landlord is oh, yeah. blow up yeah. my apartment. We both have landlord problems, so yeah, no, Jake's right. Uh, do you want to plug anything? No, pin tweet. The, Check uh, out Jake's pin tweet. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. That's it. I'm done. That's it. Me too. I'm not plugging shit. Bye. Bye.